Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Malcast. Tonight, we are going to be doing our deep dive on the Second Amendment, following up to our Second Amendment documentary that we released last Wednesday. So if you haven't seen that yet, stay, watch this, and then go back and watch that, because I think it's pretty good. Um, and yeah, I would definitely give it a watch. Brock could not be here with us tonight, so we do have Jeremy Gunderson and Mike Redmond. You guys want to introduce yourself? Jeremy Wade, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm the same Jeremy as the cybersecurity episode. Um, currently, I am self-employed. I trying to do both cybersecurity and general setup for a company that will eventually be... Uh, running the back of some kitchens in restaurants you visit. You're also the same Jeremy on River Monsters? Oh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Mike. I've been here a million times, so hello. Yeah. I'll, I'll be eating eventually. Don't yeah, Mike, Mike showed up last night with nachos. He doesn't have nachos yet, but I'm sure he'll show up with something at some yeah. point. So before we get started tonight, uh, if you like our show, please make sure to give us a like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you are on Twitch, give us a nice little follow and throw your thoughts, comments, con uh, concerns, and gripes into the chat. We'll get to them throughout. And we're looking forward to uh, talking about the Second Amendment tonight and answering any questions that you guys might have. So jumping right into it, in the documentary, uh, I mentioned that the linchpin of the Second Amendment debate is something called collective rights versus individual rights theory. Um, how familiar how familiar are you guys with that that theory? I'm guessing not in not incredibly. I mean, not incredibly. No, I'll go. No. I'll say that. Let's go with that one. Okay, so I'm going to pull this up here. Get this little thing out of the way. So. Um, this is from Cornell Law School. They basically break down individual versus collective rights theory. Talk about it a little bit in the video. Collective rights theory basically says that the Second Amendment was intended for the military and was strictly uh, to ensure the readiness of the military and does not apply to regular citizens, whereas individual rights theory says that it does and that the purpose of the Second Amendment is for regular citizens to be able to defend themselves um, from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Sounds absolutely crazy, but okay. <laughs> so I want to pick your guys' brain on your thoughts on each side of this debate. Where do you guys come down? And then can you think of an argument for the... Well, let's, let's, let, let's start with that, and then we'll, we'll try to play devil's advocate here. Mike, why don't you start? So I am an extremist, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Okay, I good to know. Literally any weapon that the military can have, a civilian should be able, able to have it. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm that I, I, I can. Get I should have that. a tank in my driveway. <laughs> I should, if I can can't, afford it. Can't you own a tank? It just has to be the gun has to be decommissioned. Yeah, you can't have the gun on it. Work. So, oh well, um, okay. You I still think, run, uh, run stuff Kaysenegger over. Has one. I know he has an LAV. Um, Dude, that's cool. Yeah, he's got a bunch of stuff. He's got like a Humvee. He's got all the military <laughs> vehicles. I don't know why. None of them I mean, work. So. It's still really cool to have. I'd own one if I, you know, 
yeah. wasn't just some broke accountant in the Midwest. What what doesn't make any sense to me about Arnold Schwarzenegger's choice of military vehicles is he has the LEV. Um, uh, uh, it's not the twenty five. It's the C squared. I think it is. I think he's got the C squared, which is the communications one. So LEV, no gun on it, bunch of antennas coming out and that's what we use to communicate with it's probably easier to get if i had to guess it probably is easier to get and a lot probably a lot cheaper but yeah i mean even if you have schwarzenegger money i mean you know, some of the military equipment is expensive come on that's true that's true yeah, all right what about what about you jeremy where do you come down on this on this debate oh uh, i personally am kind of the same way uh in my opinion if you can buy it and you know, why shouldn't you be able to own it? Especially if, you know, like, maybe you have, like, if you own a tank, you gotta figure out, you know, okay, hey, don't smack the tip when it's armed, but like, <laughs> don't smack the tip when it's armed Wait, that, is, right. uh, that is that is that's advice that all of you everyone should take away in life that's don't like don't the put armed. the barrel of the gun in your mouth or something <laughs> pretty like, much oh <laughs> i didn't learn that one <laughs> darn <laughs> yeah uh really though i'm personally i'm just really interested in target shooting so i wouldn't probably own any of those as well as also not having the money to buy any of those but i think it'd be pretty cool if someone saved up the money that yeah you know why shouldn't they yeah, yeah i would absolutely own all these crazy things if i could afford them uh because i am prepared at any moment to go full red dawn on our government so <laughs> let's do it yeah i mean i come down pretty much on the exact same side of the argument as you guys i think that you know if it exists then we should probably be able to own it with i mean maybe the exception of nuclear weapons but that's yeah i can get with you on that that's just that's just because i, no. I think that we need fewer nuclear weapons in this world <laughs> so um making them mass produce for the general public's probably not a good idea so we all come down on the side of individual rights theory. So we, you know, we can all be all be assumed that we are Second Amendment advocates. So let's talk about collective rights theory, which was actually the most popular theory for a very long time. Um, we do touch on a little bit why it's flawed in the documentary video. That being that early on in our country's history, we didn't have much of a standing military and the the general citizenry was considered the militia. So even under collective rights theory, where they focus on the well-regulated militia portion of the Second Amendment, as opposed to the uh, people part of the amendment, the logic is still flawed. But it it's any any citizen from 16 to, oh, was it like 65 or something like that? Yeah, was, yeah, it was, it was, it was in the militia. Mm -hmm. but then oh. i mean there were still people like um what's his name can't remember his name but he uh was like 80 and he was in the militia and then um john adams was like six years old and he was training with the militia mm -hmm. so well because early on our country did not shy away from conscription either yeah we use that i think pretty frequently um in the first few wars that we we fought um so 
the reason that I wanted to start with this tonight is because it's very important to understand where both sides come from on this debate, because this really is the linchpin. Yes. His name was Samuel Whitmore, if anyone wants to look him up. He was 80 oh. years old. He killed a bunch of British. Great was guy. this during the Revolutionary? Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, by himself, had like two pistols, a rifle, and like a hatchet, and stood his ground against an entire army and killed like four of them and then was shot like a bunch of times, stabbed with a bayonet 13 times, and then they butt-stroked him in the face and he was laying there bleeding and then he lived for another like 13 years. What? Yeah. That's metal. Yeah. What? With, yeah. with the, with the medicine more. of the 18th century somehow lives through that. Yep. <laughs> All right. That's, that is the essence of the American spirit right there. Boom. That's it. So under I, now that we've talked about this, this is you know the, the foundation of the argument. I want to get into some of the modern debates, which is going to be you know the next 50, 50 or so minutes of the podcast, starting with the um, carry laws and the Second Amendment Preservation Act out of Missouri, and kind of contrasting that with some of the other laws that we've seen, such as the NFA or California's assault weapons ban. So um, we talk in the video about how carry laws have moved away from the majority of states 40 years ago being no issue or may issue states um, moving towards constitutional carry. So I can already I already know the answer to this, Mike, but give us your thoughts on constitutional carry. And uh, then. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're, yes. Okay. Carry. Good. Jeremy, I'm all for it. Uh, I think that it's fine. I, you know, I don't really see much reason to go against it. If you can own the handgun, why can't you carry the handgun, right? It, it, like, it really boils down to that. Like, there is no reason, like, there's no reasonable argument against it. If you legally can own the handgun, why can't you carry it? Right. If, be, if I passed all the background checks and all that stuff that's already, you know, a thing, if I'm a fine citizen that can own a handgun, why can't I carry it? Yeah, it'd be akin to, you know, buying a rifle and then, oh, but you can't put that rifle in your car. Yeah. Like, it's it's just some weird little oddity. Well, I see that smile. It's, it's a weird little oddity that's like... So you bought it, but you just you can't use it in this way. It. Yeah. yeah well, and that's you know, I, how I, I don't know how familiar you guys are with um, DC v. Heller, but that was literally the linchpin uh, or the, of the case was you can get a gun in DC if you got approved, and it was only for a year, and you had to have it disassembled in your house, disassembled or bound by a trigger lock in your house. Yeah, which is so dumb. Yeah, so basically you could <laughs> take it to and from the range and that's literally it. And I think that, and this is my personal opinion, and I also, well, I also believe this to be factual, but um, some people may disagree, obviously, that the whole point of the Second Amendment is for you to be able to defend yourself and you can't do that if a weapon is dysfunctional um, or disassembled. Yeah, it. I mean, it basically boils down to 
when if you are naked in the woods alone, what rights do you have? Because you, you still have your inalienable rights that are God given or whatever you believe in that you, every person has. If you're alone in the woods, you can defend yourself. You have that right. You also have the right to free free speech. Who's going to stop you? You're alone in the woods, you know, and all, you have all these things. The right to defend yourself is innate in every single human being. Right. And I think that gets into the larger conversation about, I mean, the Constitution as a whole, it's there to protect your rights, your inalienable rights as a human being. They're not, the government doesn't, the Constitution does not grant you the right to bear arms. Yeah. The Constitution tells the government to protect them. Yes, exactly. Um, So what do you say to the counter argument to this debate, which we see whenever you know, we have another shooting happen um, and it's the argument behind the California assault weapons ban, um, Jersey's restriction on who can own, restrictions on who can own a gun, DC's old restrictions and the assault national assault weapons ban that we saw in 1994. And that was that there's no reason in modern society for people to have to own these weapons. And the, all they do are lead to mass shootings or to accidental deaths. Um, you notice that these same people tend to carve out arguments for, well, of course you can still own a revolver, you could own a hunting rifle, you know, these these things that they consider to not be quote unquote weapons of war. What do you, what, what, how would you approach that argument? There's a lot of arguments in that right there. Yeah, yes. um, I'll like speed run through them. So first off, weapon of war thing, AR-15 is not a weapon of war. We it, we do not use that, and it's uh, not as good as RM4s. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not. It's just a civilian version of the M4 or M16. It's just not that good. It's not fully automatic. It's not um, like our oh, what's it? Mark. We got a new one, and it's replacing the M4, and I can't remember the name of it. Did, I didn't they, did, get, did the I military settle on one? It's only for the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. Because I know um, the, the the army was looking at replacing the M4, and they were still fielding uh, fielding replacement options. As far yeah, as I knew, I know one of them uh, was the Scar. Uh, I don't know which version of it, but mm-hmm. uh, I know one of the people that was in the testing for it hated it. It's terrible. It, and I've shot it before. It's really cumbersome and heavy in the front, and it's like. I don't like it. It's not good. But anyway, there's another gun that we're uh, replacing the M4 with in the Marine Corps. It's got a free-floating barrel. It's mm. fantastic. I love it. Um, but the AR-15 is not a weapon of war, and that's always the one that they go for, and it's not a weapon of war. But then they're also okay with you know, someone owning an M1 Grand, which is literally a weapon of war and has probably killed more people <laughs> than any gun in history. You well, know, not Maybe the AK. But I would wow. I would debate that because the AK has gone through so many changes. It's not the same AK as it was originally. So right, but not to mention you look at the round size. A five five six isn't going to penetrate yeah. nearly as much as the, yeah, the, I the, do with the, a thirty odd six. Yeah, you have a giant softball size hole in you. If I hit you with a five five six, you have a tiny little hole in you. If you have an exit wound, then it'll be a little bit bigger. But that's it. It's a twenty two with more powder behind it. That's all it is. <laughs> it's not that strong of a round. I mean, people make it seem like it's this insane weapon of war, you know. But uh, that's well, it looks scary. One. Yeah, it's scary. It's black. It's scary. It's I can tactical. speak to that. 
I, I can kind of speak to that misconception though of five five six being this totally different thing than twenty two. When I was you know younger, before I didn't wasn't really that much into firearms, I thought that five five six had to be this humongous bullet. You know, it's going to be like ten times bigger than a twenty two, yeah. <laughs> and and then I you know went shooting a couple times with my scout troop and oh hey there's a twenty two there's a five five six. And our scoutmaster just changed the magazine and the bolt carrier group in his AR, and suddenly the thing shoots twenty two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and the five five six. If you look at the round, it's like the same size as a twenty two. It's a little bit, uh, you yeah. know, longer. It's just got more powder behind it. That's all it is. It's it's a great round. <laughs> I will say that I love the five five six. I also love the nine millimeter. I'm a huge fanboy for both of those. So does the well, entire country, considering the fact that we're in the middle of an ammo shortage for the last two years. True. Ugh. True. Yeah. But um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Another thing with the 5.56, it's so... Uh, I don't want to say weak, because it does its job, what it's designed to do very, very well. But it's weak in terms of what these people think these rounds do. do. And in boot camp, you know, drill instructors will take their M16 and put it on their crotch and fire it multiple times to show the new recruits not to be afraid of the recoil. It's a very weak round. That is a ballsy way to prove that prove that point. I, I mean, like it's it. not ballsy. You know that the recoil is not that much. You're just like, yeah, this is nothing. And it was a pun, Mike. It was a pun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't do that. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. So, so... What, okay, what about the, the, the mass shooting, for example? So the argument being, there's 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 two of them. Uh, well, well, I guess three of them. shootings in the U.S. are done with handguns. So that one's just completely irrelevant. They right. have no clue what they're talking about when they talk about that. But there, So there's, there's three of them. Number one being, you shouldn't have full auto because then you can take out more people. Number two, number two being... <laughs> <laughs> that I know that um, you don't need a large uh, a magazine with more than 10 rounds. 10 rounds should be enough, more than enough to defend yourself in a situation where you're being attacked. But in a, if someone were to conduct a mass shooting, it would they'd have to reload after 10 rounds, which gives you, you know, two to three seconds. I, to get I out can of reload an M4 in like one second. So I believe that you will. You, you have military training. Yeah. <laughs> and three being, not, the, it doesn't take that much to to train and and just do a couple drills. Yeah, You'll my, learn, and it's it's stupid. My AR when it's got its nine millimeter furniture on it, it shoots the empty magazine out the bottom, spring loaded. Just there all I have go. to do is grab the other one and stuff it in. Dude, that's yeah. cool. That's oh, my, yeah. mine's not that fancy. <laughs> well, all you need to do is when you hit the magazine release button, flip it to the side. Your rifle. And just fly mm-hmm. it out the side. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, and then the final argument being that these weapons are too easy to acquire. Uh, they're not. <laughs> They've never bought a gun before in their life, then, because. Well, we've it, actually yeah. we've seen we've <laughs> seen more people buying guns in the last year than we've basically seen ever. We've what was it two more yeah. than two million new gun owners in twenty twenty alone. And it was always funny seeing some of these people on Twitter being like, I have to wait three days to get yeah. to, to complete my background check. <laughs> oh, I'm I so this mad now. when I had to wait three days to get my AR. Oh <laughs> did not enjoy that three days. 
Well, <laughs> Iowa, I don't have to wait that. So let's go. Yeah. Mm. Although, although my background check gets done like instantly at the store. So. Well, you have, you still have the. My background check is every. I'm everywhere. I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was a property of the government. So. <laughs> so this actually. I, since we're bringing up these arguments, I want to skip ahead a little bit. We'll circle back to the Second Amendment, Second Amendment Preservation Act. But I want to talk about some of the most common gun law debates that we've had recently, um, starting with the magazine size. So I, as I mentioned earlier, the argument being that you shouldn't need more than 10 rounds and that it provides extra time for people to get away if there is a shooting while the shooter reloads, assuming the shooter is not trained. Um, the counter argument to that that people often bring up is, and the, I think that... There's a lot of counter arguments to that. Yes. So I'm um, interested to hear which one did you choose. So the one that I, that's my go-to is that it doesn't, it undermines the fundamental purpose of the second amendment which yeah. is to so that people can defend themselves not only against some random mugger on the street or against a carjacking but also against foreign and domestic the foreign and domestic governments it's it's yeah. red dawn and tyrannical government Yes, exactly. And if I only have 10 rounds, it's significantly harder to defend my liberty, be it against a foreign tyrannical government or our own, should it ever get to that point. And people don't like to, I, I, people hate talking about this, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of people spe specifically um, on the left side of the gun control debate, debate hate, to, hate when people bring up, oh, this is so that we can prevent tyranny in our own country against our own government and the second you bring that up they kind of get all flustered and aghast like oh my god you you actually are going to talk about taking up arms against your own government it's like yeah that's kind of how this country sure, was founded yeah. but absolutely <laughs> i'm an american i'm down to do that at any moment i'm like i'm a minute man i'm ready to go fight the government as soon as they want me to as soon as they want to go come and be tyrannical I'm I'm ready. I know how to do guerrilla warfare. Yeah, so. I, I I know yeah. you do. I know how to uh, lose to a bunch of sand people and uh, from guerrilla warfare. So, oh yeah, yeah. Them. We were uh, we were talking about Afghanistan the last couple of podcasts actually. So go ahead yeah. and go watch those ones, guys. That's a heavy topic. Yeah. So what so what are some other arguments? So there's a lot of them. I I yeah. brought. I think that's the one that's the most common and universal across all of these debates. But that one is the one that makes the most sense, honestly. It's because that's what the Second Amendment was made for. It's to fight a tyrannical government. And I can't do that if I have less effective weapons than the military has. So, I mean, that's the, the main one. But another one would be like, um, you know, if I have a 10-round magazine in my AR, it's not that's not going to stop me from shooting... 30 people i can reload extremely quickly and it, and it doesn't matter and i'm not gonna if i'm a mass shooter and i'm not an idiot <laughs> i'm not gonna shoot full auto because i'll miss half my rounds the military never shoots full auto unless it's a crew serve machine gun with our m4s we have full auto on some of them not all of them but we oh, really not all of them have that yeah well so all of our m16s do not have full auto only the m4 a1s do which are the new ones and only 
special units get those. So we got the new, brand new M4s with full auto, and they had suppressors on them. Um, and we also had the canted sights. So mm-hmm. there's the sight over here and then the optic up here. Um, had all that special stuff. But all of our regular M4s, just three-round burst and single shot. And we never use three-round burst either. Really? So how, it, how do they train you to use the three-round burst and the, and the full auto in the military? They don't. We, we, they just tell you not to? Yeah, they, they're like, you will never use this. Because I've shot, we've done it, we've shot it before, just for like ammo dumps and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't control that thing, full auto. And it goes 30 rounds in a, just a couple of seconds. It's a complete waste of ammo. And I can kill you with one round because we all train to shoot, you know, for center mass. And I'm shooting a five, five, six. I'm going to kill you. Or if not, I'm going to do two rounds to the chest, one to the pelvis, and then you are done. It's over. So I'm not, I'm not going to shoot full auto ever. It's stupid for anybody so, to do that. Unless you're using a crew serve machine gun. So where does the fear of full auto come from then? Why is that such a big deal? Why why movies, why can't we not have full auto weapons? I don't know why we can't have full auto weapons. There's, there's no reason not to. It's pointless. But um, I think the scariness of it comes from movies, honestly. And video games. And video games, yeah. I mean, yeah, Where? in video games, you know, I hop into COD and I will always hold down the trigger to shoot you with, you know, because it takes... 20 rounds to kill you in call of duty where i can kill you in one in real life so i think it's from video games and movies people get scared so scared of full auto when the military never uses full auto on our m4s yeah i've always had a hard time kind of wrapping my head around the fear of full auto and the argument against it you know, being, well, you can take out so many more people. I like you, like you said, it's inaccurate, unwieldy. You'll probably, you'll probably take out significantly less people. You'll miss more than half the shots. You know, (laughs) it's it's not going to happen. You're not going to kill more people with full auto. Well, and that's just the thing too. I mean, you watch these movies and you play these video games and you hold down the trigger full auto and you have basically no recoil. You just kind of stand there and maybe the gun goes up a little bit. Modern Warfare 2 you know and it's just a laser beam of, of bullets <laughs> it's not accurate at all that's not how real life is and the people that are so scared of full auto have never shot full auto in their life i shot the ak full auto you can't shoot that thing full auto at all there, there's, there's no chance it climbs so fast and that round is so big that the I was gonna say, that's a thing. huge round yeah so do you think that a lot of the apprehension comes from just not knowing, not being exposed to it? Because if you look at where a lot of the, the strictest laws are, it's in a lot of these big cities where you really, I mean, you don't necessarily need a weapon to defend yourself because every a cop is 30 seconds away yeah. or, you know, on, on every street corner or... Um, Depending right? on the part of the city, because oh, I mean, yeah. there's some parts of the city where cops just won't go because you know reasons and you and you see a very different opinion on gun ownership in those areas it seems yeah. um yeah. so yeah do you think it's just I, it, the entire gun control argument has been for the last couple decades the what's it what would it be the unknowledgeable against 
the people who actually know what's what's the word what's the phrase that i'm looking for right there uh, uneducated, undereducated the, yeah the uninformed the uneducated the the people that just don't know what they're talking about because there's really no argument there there's just no argument against the second amendment so jeremy you were I, i'm assuming first exposed to weapons in boy scouts so yeah. what was that like for you having because you were exposed to it at what age uh i mean what did you shoot uh 22 shotguns handguns uh that was the like official scouting outings and we've shot uh an ar-15 some i think it was a 3030 or a 30 not six 30 yeah 30 out six yeah that's a big one yeah I i've put never my, shot that round i put my eye way too close to the scope and got yeah. a black one that yes hurt. there we go yeah that that's that was that was my worst experience with a firearm was that but uh yeah i've i've shot so many different like weird calibers uh specifically one of the friends of one of our scouts had a grandfather who owned the gun range that we would go to he had a bunch of funky old hand load calibers that like you just Ooh. can't find anymore sounds fun oh it was awesome he i had heard this, uh, uh did you shoot anything like black powder yes i've heard yeah. it's extremely difficult to shoot black powder because the delay from pulling the trigger to the you know the round actually leaving the barrel yeah you hear the bang in black powder before the bullet actually like leaves the barrel yeah and uh, funny enough that uh, i've shot the black powder out at a scout camp and i dislocated my arm because yeah. when we were loading it we put two rounds of powder in it and then one ball and nice. i have very weak ligaments already so i got to go play a concert with a dislocated shoulder nice yeah so what age were you when you were when you first started shooting uh if bb guns count they do not okay uh if it's okay so if they don't count then it's 14 it's gonna be the same answer for all scouts uh in the states okay uh that's and a restriction that the bsa put on all sort of firearm stuff was 14 just you know that way they so had a, a baseline yeah, I mean, you're old enough to actually respect the firearm. Um, so do you think that that experience to, you know, that that exposure helped inform your opinions today? Did it, were you uh, concerned about firearms prior to that? Oh, 100%. Uh, when I, I remember picking up my first 22 and thinking, oh my God, I've got to like lean into this thing. I've got to like, it's gonna absolutely destroy my shoulder, and then I shot it, and it didn't move. It's like yeah. what, huh? Yeah, I've shot a uh, an AR, but it had twenty two in it mm -hmm. with one hand. Oh yeah, Out like this extended. <laughs> There's no oh, recoil yeah. at all. <laughs> you have to sh you have to shoot it to like hold it up straight. Pretty Use much to hold it. It's so. so do you guys have you guys seen the uh, video clip from a couple of years ago where the reporter shoots an AR for the he's never shot a gun before in his life he's in his thirties shoots an AR for the first time and 
after firing one round, basically drops to his knees and then writes a story later on saying that he had temporary PTSD from the experience. Yes, I've heard of that. How do you, as you know, as both of you having, well, Mike has significantly more experience, but both of you having experience with <laughs> firearms, um, how do you, what's the logic behind that? Can you place that any logic? That person was lying, 100%. <laughs> or, or they are brainwashed so much that even if the gun didn't even shoot, if it jammed, they probably still would have had an episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 as someone who, who, who shoots regularly, I don't understand it. I, it's ridiculous. You know, and it's kind of patronizing to the people that actually have real PTSD. Yeah. That, that you know, part. I've it, known people who have serious PTSD and they have problems and, to have this guy say that he has PTSD. No, you don't have PTSD. You don't even know what PTSD is, what it'll do to you. That so. was probably the most infuriating part of the story. And I yeah. think, oh, that you, you could get to do an entire, have an entire conversation about how the PTSD is just thrown around casually these days. Yeah. Um, like everyone, the one person that said that they had PTSD because someone said mean things on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's completely downplaying a really serious uh, problem. Yeah, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Um, so back to these these gun control debates. I yes, I think it has a lot to do with people being uninformed and also people not wanting to be informed. Um, like that journalist, for example, they don't want to um, understand the other side of the argument. They are brought up in an environment where they're told you don't need a weapon. The police are right there. Yeah. Um, and it's almost scary because like I said earlier, the arguments that we make that we need these weapons in case of a t to defend ourselves against not only random criminals, but also against tyrannical governments. Well, they either shy away from that argument or say, well, the government has, well, okay, okay, go back a couple months. Joe Biden said, we have nukes and, F and F-16s. Yeah. <laughs> what is your AR-15 going to do? Okay, First for off, one, that's ridiculous because he's not going to nuke U.S. citizens. Because <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, somebody will come up to me and be like, hey, uh, you're not, what's your AR going to do? He, Biden has nukes. Dude, you're my neighbor. What are you talking about? <laughs> you want to die? If I go, you go. Like, what, yeah, are you, what, like, what, what are you talking about? They're not going to nuke us. And well, the same thing with uh, F-15s. Is it? No, they're not going to use that on you as citizens either. It's kind of concerning for a president to say in the first place to it his own very, citizens. But, I mean, that's what Biden are, for you, so. But, I mean, the argument that they make that you don't need these weapons, like, the government will never, really, we, we have a constitution, we have laws, the government's not going to oppress you. We have, we have the strongest military in the world. We're not going to get invaded. You don't need this. And it reminds me, um, for those of you who watch Tim, uh, Timcast IRL, a few weeks ago he had on a um, freedom fighter who fought against the Castro regime and when they were talking about well you know the country was obviously well armed they had just fought a revolution why was the uh, resistance against Castro so ineffective and he told Tim because when Castro came into power he asked the people one simple question he said guns why why do you need them like yeah. 
do you continue do you plan to continue to overthrow the government to continue to fight each other no then why do you need them and that's kind of the same argument that i see coming from the gun control side of the debate and it's kind of creepy yeah uh, I had somebody um, at work a couple days ago say to me why, well, we were talking about suppressors and um, he was like, why do you need that? You don't need, and I was just like, oh, he said the phrase. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it, the, and we got into a whole discussion about the Second Amendment and I said to him, the reason that we need the Second Amendment is it's, it can be boiled down to this, is that we have the Second Amendment so that we will never need it because mm -hmm. we have it we won't need it as soon as it's gone we might need it and mm -hmm. then we won't have it but the as as long as we have the second amendment our government will never even try to overthrow us or or i mean to uh, to be tyrannical and become a dictatorship or anything like that or at the very least they have to take the pots uh, the uh, frogs in a boiling pot approach yeah mm -hmm. uh my food's here i'll be right back all right. Okay. So, what are your what are your thoughts on this on on this, Jeremy? So far. Uh, well, to kind of circle back to a topic, uh, that the reporter situation, in my opinion, the only way I can even start to rationalize that sort of thing is, it's it's a good sensational piece from a strictly business perspective. Like, regardless of if the reporter truly believes what they put out there, you know, at the end of the day, how many thousands more clicks do you think that mm -hmm. got than so I shot my first gun? Well, yeah. and that brings in a whole new conversation when it comes to profit motive in, you know, our, in American society in general, um, but especially within the media, because, you know, Anger sells, rage bait sells, you know, you're oh yeah. You're gonna get a heck of a lot more clicks, like you said, talking about something that's gonna piss people off than you are about some sort of fuzzy story or just some run of the mill objective news piece. Oh yeah. Especially online anymore, you know, with so many more things being algorithmed to death, you know, mm -hmm. if you click on this, then oh you're definitely gonna like this other weird random thing that a computer has thought up for you to click on. It it's just so many companies are so heavily incentivized to do stuff like that. Ignore me. <laughs> what do you what do you have for dinner, Mike? You share share with everybody what I, you have for I dinner. will share every time on the podcast what I'm having for dinner. I'm having sushi for dinner. Oh, uh, that sounds so good. What mm. kind of sushi? So I've got, um, they called it a California roll, but it ain't. But because um, <laughs> it's like got a bunch of extra stuff in it, I put it in it. So it's got like one of my favorite things to put in sushi. And bear with me. All right. So it sounds weird, but it's really good. Try it. <laughs> it is cream cheese. Uh, Try it. It's amazing. Yeah. Perfect yeah, no, sushi. The, have you ever had a Philadelphia roll? Yeah, I love Philadelphia. Yeah, that has, that has the first cream time cheese I had it. And uh, had cream cheese and sushi with some Philadelphia roll. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Philadelphia roll. Right. I, I prefer eel and shrimp as my meats of choice. I don't eel like is very good. Mm. Eel oh. is fantastic. If anyway, I could go to Osaka every day and get the black dragon roll, I would. Yes, one, yes, the black dragon roll is fantastic. Anyway, back to the Second Amendment instead of sushi. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So there's a couple other laws that I want to get your guys' thoughts on, and that is um, one of them was red flag laws, and the other one was back, background checks and a national registry of, for firearms. Um, so for those of you who don't know, red flag laws are basically where it, the, someone can report someone to the police to, and say they, they believe they are mentally unstable or have been threatening people. And the police can then go through the court really quick, get a warrant and say, okay, we're going to go and confiscate this person's weapons until they can have a psychological evaluation. Um, the issue being that many times these red flag warrants are served as no knock raids or as without the defendant's input in the entire process. They just show up at the door and demand that people hand over their hand over their weapons. And this is where we get stories like this one right here, where police showed up in Baltimore to deliver a uh, a red flag warrant to confiscate a 60 year old man, 60 year old man's weapons. Um, his neighbor reported him saying that he was concerned about him. Police came to confiscate the weapons. And the man of course said, no, you can't take my weapons. This is America. And America. then the police shot him. It's ridiculous. That's going to be me one day. <laughs> That's <laughs> I feel like that's going to be a you lot. Better of put me on day. the podcast. Mm -hmm. You better put my story on the podcast when that happens. Oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Let's let's not let's hope that doesn't happen. Uh, so, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on red flag laws? I, I think my, that old man is a hero. By the way, yeah. I mean, I, I think okay. I'm I'm going to start on this one actually, and don't, I think that don't kneel, don't no. kneel. You know? No, don't give you. You can't. You can't just give up your constitutional rights. And so, my issue with red flag laws is twofold. Um, I have issues in theory and issues in practice. So, in theory, my problem is that you can't just take away someone's weapons because someone else is concerned about them. Um, yes, there are scenarios in which some people, you know, you, you might stop a shooting because the neighbor is like, well, this, this guy has been, he's been stockpiling weapons. He's, you know, he lost his job. His wife left him. He's all distraught, blah, blah, blah. And yes, you might get, you might stop something that way. But more, more often than not, you're going to have a disgruntled neighbor, maybe some crazy gun control nut or, um, I still have a problem with your, that example there. No, yeah, I, I lost his job, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, now he's like wife left him or whatever and stuff like that. So are we saying that if you, you know, get a divorce and lose your job, you lose also your lose second your amendment, right? You know, just right. And so I was trying to use an extreme example of where oh, not, you know, not everyone who loses their wife on their job is going to go commit is going to go sh uh, commit a mass shooting. But yeah. you know, maybe this person was intending on doing so. I still have a problem with it for the exact reason that that you mentioned, um, as well as the law can very easily be abused, and yeah. you can't you you can't allow the state to strip someone's constitutional rights away because someone else presented presented a false report and since these red flag laws are subjective people or the people who 
report other people can give their subjective opinion as to their mental state, it's inherently flawed. When it comes to practice, my issue is like I was saying, while well, you were going to get what I'm assuming are chopsticks, I uh, no, I was getting um, a bowl for my soy sauce. Okay, that's fair. Mm. That's fair. Um, was that you end up with situations like this where they do a no knock raid or issue these warrants without notifying the individual beforehand and people die as a result. Um, I do not see a personally, I do not see any redeeming qualities to red flag laws. And yet I think a dozen states in the country actually have um, red flag laws and quick shout out to um, was it Oklahoma. Yeah. Quick shout out to Oklahoma who has an anti red flag law. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) What, what is it? What does it say? So Oklahoma's anti red flag law um, was passed May of last year, and it prohibits. Hey, Christopher Richardson, man, thanks for the follow. I appreciate it. So the law specifically prohibits that the state or any city, county, or political subdivision therein um, from acting red flag laws. And Texas is considering one as well. It was uh, up for debate on their current legislative session. However, considering the fact that. Texas is having its own problems right now with trying to get its Congress people to show up yeah. because they're currently partying in DC. So normally I'm in favor of Congress not doing anything, but yeah, not in this case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, I do not see a redeeming quality for these, for these red flag laws. Um, I don't understand the argument behind why we should have them because the argument is the antithesis of the, of the thought that you should not give up. If you give up anyone who gives up a little freedom for a little security deserves, deserves neither and will have neither. Pretty close to the way that I learned that quote, but yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't doing the quote verbatim. I was trying to paraphrase a little bit. Um, the biggest problem that I see with that sort of law is where does where's the oversight in it? You know, your where does it stop? You know, where where does it get to a point where your neighbor just throwing out a report that oh hey, you know this person bought a gun and bought a bunch of ammo like like for me like to their door. my neighbors don't know me. Oh yeah! And if they did, they would hate me, <laughs> um, because I know what all their political views are. Because they love to put signs in their yards, um, they would absolutely call the police and be like, "Red flag laws for for me!" If they could. And your state does have it. red flag laws. Yeah, so I guarantee they would, and it, there'd be a lot of reports because it would be all of my neighbors, <laughs> and then they would probably come and try and take my guns. And then I'd be that old man on the news. Well, and to your point, Jeremy, there there isn't any oversight. There's no there's no due process when it comes to red flag laws because they take they they presume guilt first, and then you have to come in and prove yeah, by conducting a psychological evaluation. Constitutional. So. Oh yeah, it is it is so back ass words, and I think that it's designed 
Well, okay. And not only that, my, the, another problem that I have with it is it enforces the mentality that we've developed in this country of citizens fighting each other rather than fighting against a system or against, a, a you know, we can't, we can't unite populists, for example. Populists cannot unite to enact populist policies when left and right-wing populists are attacking each other over critical race theory. Same thing no. here. Um, it encourages you to literally snitch to the government on your neighbor. Um, and that is all kinds of disgusting, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. No, I was... It's, it's some 1984 stuff right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really is. Just about to say that. The the number one concern that I had when I was building my uh, AR was, you know, I bought two uppers, thousand rounds of ammo, all that. Got that shipped to my door. I was mildly spooked that, okay, if someone takes this package, like, that's, you know, potentially a gun that's, like, lost, right? But what if they not only take the package, but then they report it, and then my neighbors see, like, oh, hey, this, you know, hey, why does this guy keep ordering, you know, like, guns to his door? What's up with that? Oh, and now there's a thousand rounds of ammo. Like, it, it would look terrible to anybody. I always love doesn't understand um, the uh, news reports or whatever, and people freaking out and be like, he had an arsenal. He had 1,000 rounds of ammo. It's like, you kidding me? 1,000 rounds? I could go through 1,000 rounds in a day. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. That, that's I love when they think great. that 1,000 rounds is some crazy number that no one should have 1,000 rounds of ammo. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> Well, and the yes. thing that people always seem to skip on with that as well is you can't put a thousand rounds in a magazine. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all the same thing with like he had 30 guns. Like, well, I don't have 30 arms, so. <laughs> right. You know, I can only shoot two at a time. <laughs> and and if I'm shooting two at a time, I'm not going to be accurate. So I should really only be shooting one at a time. I'd like to point out the real reason that Jeremy wanted to share that story was so that he could flex on us for buying a thousand rounds. I have a thousand rounds. <laughs> I promise that wasn't yeah. the reason. <laughs> so, okay, what do you think is a reasonable amount then, then Mike? Because so I see, you know, people talk about this online all the time. What's what is a reasonable number of weapons to own, according to you? You should always have at least a thousand rounds for every gun in your house. So if I have two nine millimeters, I should have two thousand rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so on. See, I'm of the opinion that you know, that thousand rounds really shouldn't last you that long because you should you should go and train. Yeah. See, yeah. the issue that I've run into. The you last should year, also buy training rounds, and you should mm -hmm. buy, you know, self defense rounds or whatever. Right. But well, because you should I also have... still train on those self defense rounds because they will fire differently. Yes, mm -hmm. I have nickel plated nine millimeter rounds for my carry, but my uh, my range ammo my bulk ammo it's just bulk ammo um the the issue that i've run into in the last year is that it's very hard to justify going and dumping 200 rounds at the range when it's a dollar 25 per round mm -hmm. you know that's well, there goes half a paycheck basically yeah. <laughs> actually since the um whole ammo shortage happened i have not gone to the range to go and practice mm -hmm. because i don't know when's the next time i can buy ammo 
So I don't want to waste the ammo that I have. Right. And I think that's that's the only part that concerns me. Two million new gun owners who probably have shot their weapon once. Yeah. Um, that concerns me a little bit because as much as I believe that everyone has the right to own weapons and should own weapons, they need to be trained on how to use them because accidents happen when people don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like how the founding fathers viewed voting, uh, where it's like, it's not, it wasn't a right. It was a, uh, not like, not even a privilege. It was like a a duty, like jury duty. Mm -hmm. It was like, it's your duty to go and vote. You should do it. You should, you should. And it's the same thing with, with owning a gun. It's, not like you're it should be mandatory that you have to go do training classes or anything like this but it is your duty to go do that you should if mm-hmm. if you want the responsibility of owning a gun you should take the responsibility to go get classes go get trained go practice shooting yeah. well that's something that a lot of people were talking about not too long ago was well should a requirement to purchase a weapon be that you have so many hours trained on it and- i don't think so but it is, should be you know something that people strive to do Right. And that's one of the two arguments that I've actually entertained for a while because I'm thinking people need to be trained on weapons if they're going to own it. But it, it it's like everything else. Should the state be the one to mandate what that training should be? Because you could have Texas be like, we want as many people on guns as possible. We're going to be as liberty minded as possible. So we're going to say you need you know this one class and a couple hours at the range with an instructor, and then you're good to go. And then you, you know New Jersey, with their notorious gun laws, can come in and say, all right, you need 600 hours per year at the range, all with an instructor, and just make it, yeah. you know, because New Jersey right now basically makes it to where there's so much red tape. And this is, this is by the way, is a trick our government loves to pull. They can't ban stuff because it's constitutionally protected. So they just make so much red tape around it that it becomes basic. It is, in effect, banned. Like, New Jersey is a uh, May issue state mm. when it comes it's, to carry. It's just like full auto, you know, um, yeah. Guns. They're, yeah. They're technically not banned. It's they're like, so difficult to get that you, you can't get them. It's You basically can't get them. It's like any... Rich. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. really akin to every... NFA or class three item, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, it, yes, you can, you can own them. Like I can go and apply for a suppressor right now, but yeah. well, it's going to be not in Illinois. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, not in that state. Iowa. Nope. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Although a friend of mine makes his own suppressors, which is illegal. And that's why I will not say who that friend is. <laughs> yes, that is, that is very illegal. He doesn't um, live in Illinois though. So it's okay. So it's actually a good point about the NFA, though, and we were talking about all this red tape. So if if you want to go and get a short barreled rifle rifle right now, mm-hmm. you have to pay a two hundred dollar tax, which two hundred bucks that's not that expensive. And However, it's one time. It's that's yeah. two hundred dollars that I don't need to give to the government. But. Not only that, but when do you think the last time they raised the tax was? I don't know. Uh, when it was made. Yep, when it was made. In 1934, the tax was $200. That to the equivalent today, we talked about this in the video, over $4,000 today. So if that law were passed today, you'd have to pay four grand to get a short barreled rifle. Something that costs 800 bucks. That's well, insane. used to yeah. cost 800 bucks. Yeah. That still costs 800 bucks. Hey, I mean, if you find, if you know where to look. Ah, I won't give a brand name, but ah, you can find <laughs> them all over. 
That's yeah. Impressive. Well, yeah, you can get a high point for like, you know, under bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to shoot? I don't know though. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's when I was, when I was originally looking for my carry, um, I was looking, looking at high the different point? ones. Well, I saw the Taurus handguns. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, why is this why is this nine millimeter four four hundred and sixty bucks? <laughs> and this six sour over here nine hundred dollars. I went with a six sour, yeah. by the way. Why is this nine hundred dollars? E three twenty? Yep. Nice. I've got that one too. You've seen it. You know what it is. Yeah, that's right. I have seen it. We have that one. But, um uh, but yeah. I mean with guns, you it's the one thing that I think is the most true to the you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. It really is to a point because there are some things like Glock. Glock's pretty cheap, but Glock, I love Glock. Glocks are fantastic. Well, in Counterpoint, H&K, they make civilian versions of all their military weapons. Mm -hmm. And their civilian version of the MP5 is like $2,900. The military version is like $800. Yeah. And it has way more capabilities. What the heck? Um, so you know, you, you love doing that. The slap, that's all you want to do. You do that, and then you're just like, All right, I'm done, I don't even need to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so what about background checks? And um, oh, what was the other one I said? I've got it written down background checks and a national registration. Uh, Mike has opinions. <laughs> yeah. Here, I, I, I'll quickly breeze through mine. Background right. checks. Eh. I, I mean, I, I have to go through a background check to get employed anywhere, hardly. Especially in the world of cybersecurity. Like, I, I get a background check like every month. Yeah, that one makes so, sense. To me, a background check I'm indifferent on. A national registry, it's a little scary to me. Because it enables so much of the, well, we know you've got this, so hand it over. That's why for almost a year, I was looking into the legality and feasibility of 3D printing controlled parts. Mm -hmm. Because I would be my own manufacturer of them. I don't have to register them in the state of Iowa. Don't have to serial number them in the state of Iowa. As long as they are safe in function... I'm good to go. And then any of your other firearms, you lost, you lost them in a tragic boating accident. <laughs> Darn. Amazing Man. how many of those we've had recently. Yeah. <laughs> but now I share your thoughts on the national registry. I mean, the only reason the government need, wants to know what you have is so they can take it at a later date or so that they can tax it. Yeah, or those both. Both of those I, I do not like. Uh, so yeah, but yeah. Um, you are kind of doing a little um, uh, plan words, I think, or tricking tricking us with some words there because you do you asked about background checks, period. Where if you know the uh, staff that the left loves to throw around, it's like eighty nine percent of uh, the United States citizens are in favor of background checks or universal background checks when if you look at the survey that they gave to everybody it just says background checks not universal background checks which a lot of people are against so okay I'm against so universal what, background checks what's because the difference you can't then? do a universal background check without a national registry so, okay so explain explain universal background check then 
so the universal background check would be uh, when you, if I go to another state and I go, if I go to Indiana and I buy a gun, I'm still doing the same background check. It's the federal background check, and they know that I have that gun because it also has to be backed by a national registry. It can't, you can't, otherwise the okay. background check doesn't do anything. Okay, you can't That's have fair. a national background check without a national registry. So, but um. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's the summed up version of the universal gotcha. background checks, basically. So what do you what do you about the background checks that we have now? Background checks that we have now is fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I go I go to the store and I go buy a gun and I have to do a background check. I know, mine, fortunately for me, is done like instantly. They walk back there, type in my name. Ten seconds later, they walk back and like, all right, you're cleared. So because. I'm already in there, you know, and my whole life is the government knows. So, which isn't fantastic, but whatever. I signed the dotted line. Yeah. Well, I, you know, background checks are probably the one thing that I understand. And that's just because I'm getting some feedback in your end, by the way. Mike. I'll back up um, the mic. Okay. Um, so the Supreme Court has upheld since the 60s that certain people cannot be allowed to own firearms. I don't agree with necessarily all of... I'm still getting feedback. I'll turn down the speakers. Try that. <laughs> uh, I don't necessarily... Yeah, okay, we're good. I don't necessarily agree with all of the restrictions as to who can not own firearms because one of those people for example are people with a medical marijuana card if you have a medical marijuana card you can't yeah. own a firearm in the united states mm -hmm. um which i think is stupid yeah but... but i do believe that there are some people who do not who should not own a firearm in this country namely people who have a history of murdering people with firearms mm. yeah um, or or um uh you know violence at all, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. especially they, domestic. If they, they're a felon, you have given you have forfeited most of your rights already. Yeah, it's Although just like I, going to prison. You cannot vote anymore. You right. forfeited your rights. I will argue, though, that there are some felonies for which you should get your rights back after you leave prison, particularly because yeah. particularly because there are a lot yeah. of things that are felonies that, in my Which's opinion, shouldn't be felonies. Like if somebody stole my mail, you know. Oh that's, yeah, oh, that's a felony. Mm -hmm. But yes, I don't is. think they need their guns taken away for that. Oh, and James is gone. Oh, all right. I do not know what just happened. And we're James back. The CIA, they're shutting us down again. Anytime I'm on the podcast, the CIA is trying to shut us down. Honestly, we're not they even talking about like Snowden this much. time. Actually, it's probably the FBI because they are currently investigating me. So, why? So that I can get top secret clearance at my work. Oh, okay, that's fair. Ah, uh, lucky, lucky. Yeah, not so lucky. The FBI is looking into my whole life, probably talking <laughs> to my neighbors who are like, "Somebody lives in that house? I didn't even know." I just thought <laughs> random people came on, turned the lights. Yeah. Uh, what were you talking about before we completely lost everybody? I don't, I don't know. Now I lost it. But surprise, I'm black. Says Mike is right. Listen to him, James. I always listen to you. What are you talking about? 
tell so them. That's why, why. That, that's why you're here. There you go. Um, CIA doesn't want people to listen to me, though. No, you're right. You're 100% that's right. That's why they're shutting down the podcast. But I, I've <laughs> also heard people who argue against background checks, though, because they believe that, you know, it's just... in, And they're right on this. is It's just another step where the government had, can interfere in in your constitutional right. Um, I do, and I, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we were covering the First Amendment, but a lot of responsibilities come along with having these rights. And I do think that if you're incapable of exercising those responsibilities, then it does make sense for there to be restrictions placed on that. In this case, it would be if you, you know, have a history of violence, then you shouldn't be able to own a firearm. Um, I think that it stops, it should stop there. Yeah. But, and it's interesting to see that's where the majority, nice. That's where the majority of um, people are on this debate these days when I know decades ago, it was a very contentious debate. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I'm okay with background checks, pretty much to a point. It's it's got to be clearly stated what gets rejected, what things reject you from the background check, and if that's you know, uh, being convicted of certain crimes, not just being charged like, like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, you, you, know, have, you have to be convicted that he uh, did this thing. So take his guns away until we find out if it's real or not. No. But uh, but yeah, if you're domestic violence or stuff like that, then yeah, I, I'm okay with them, them not having guns. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the last thing that I want to touch on tonight is, so the agency, the federal agency that enforces all this, the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Agency. Yeah. Abolish them. <laughs> We're going to touch on that as well as Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act. So before we go any further, I want to show some of the act. This goes into effect in three days, I believe, um, in Missouri, although there is a challenge in the courts, of course. Why not? Because the U.S. government filed a challenge. Um, The long and short of it is that the state of Missouri will fine any law law enforcement or government official who assists the uh, federal government in enforcing federal gun laws with two exceptions, the two major exceptions being if it was a violation of a different law in which a firearm happened to be involved, like robbing a bank or um, they're, they're coming across state lines. If you're, you know, if you were to commit some, if you were to if you were to violate a bunch of Illinois laws and then run to Missouri, they wouldn't you know shield you from Illinois, for example, or from the FBI. So that's the long and short of it. Although the most interesting provision that got dropped from the final version of the bill was originally law enforcement could arrest federal agents who are attempting to enforce gun laws in Missouri. That got dropped from the final bill. But I think it would have been very interesting if uh, if that had gone through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is, you know, indicative of a lot of pushback against 
kind of the gun control advocates at the federal level and the antithesis of what we've, we've seen in California in the last three decades. Um, so I'm very pro this bill. I would like to see one like it in Iowa. I would like to get uh, your guys' thoughts. And I, I know that on the surface, you might you might think, okay, yes, this makes sense. But I also want you to consider the fact that this does add to the fracturing of the United States because you have individual states competing against, you know, with competing laws. They are essentially telling and essentially telling the federal government, we don't care what you say. I think that's okay. But keep that in mind while you guys give your answers, because that, that, that is a huge argument against bills like this. Well, if you don't know me, I think the federal government, I don't care what you say. So, (laughs) There you go. I'm I'm all for anybody telling the federal government I don't care what you say because screw the federal government. Their only job should be to protect us from foreign countries. So that's that's me. But I'm an extremist libertarian, so I think we should abolish every department of the government except for Department of Defense and Department of Justice. So huh. yeah. fair enough. What about you, yeah. Jeremy? So in in my opinion, laws like that are in uh, as kind of alluded to already indicative of a problem at the upper levels that in, in um, I'm going to have to like relate this to computers, but when yeah. we're structuring a domain and your permissions based on what group you're in, they're in these trees that they start with no permissions at the top and end with very specific, you know, here's all of your access now at the bottom whenever we have to put a specific reach in there and deny something that's generally considered bad practice because that means that you've screwed up higher on in the chain right Uh so that's kind of what i see these laws as is an admission or an allusion to hey there's something screwed up here at the higher level at least in in this state's mind or in this many people's mind, we need to have a discussion around it instead of just saying like, oh, well, that's just a bunch of kooks, you know. I, I actually really like the, the analogy there, and I like what you're alluding to. It, and it, it really does a good job of defanging the argument that this is contributing to the fracturing of the United States because, like you said, the problem isn't at the state level. It's at the federal level. Yeah. And they're just trying to adjust the rot therein. That's a, that's that's a very good. I like that. Yeah. I'm also I'm also pretty much always in favor of giving the states the rights to decide for themselves what they want. Basically, mm-hmm. so like oh, for yeah. instance, for Illinois, you know, they made weed legal. I'm like all for it. You know, like hey, any any state wants to like make you know whatever. I was it Washington made. Like crazy stuff, like cocaine legal or something. That was Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, Oregon did it. Yeah, and Oregon, then they banned straws. Hey, oh, <laughs> yeah, they want it. Voted. They voted for it. Go ahead. That states should uh should be able to do whatever they want. You know. Well, and that's the beauty of this. And this is you know an aside. As I'm learning more and more about the the government. My dog needs yeah, okay. to go outside. Okay, about the government, about how it's structured, and um, how the founding fathers intended for. These the Constitution, these amendments to, um, 
to behave in practice, it's, it's, I'm in awe of the system that they designed and it allows for situations like what Mike was talking about where, okay, I live in California. I do not like the fact that they ban these guns. I don't like the high taxes. Um, I don't like the restrictions on what I can put on my vehicle for it. It's, I'm, as a racer, it's a big thing for me. So I'm going to move to a different state where they have different laws. I'm still within the same country. I still have I can, these guarantees to my rights at the federal level, but I can move to what is essentially a different country within the same country, completely different sets of laws. And I think that's an absolutely beautiful thing, which is why I'm also not going to tell California as an Iowan, I'm not going to tell California what laws they can and can't enact. Um, just like, I don't want, I don't want some uppity person from LA telling Iowa, you need to ban all these things. Well, I'm not going to tell this uppity person in LA that they can't ban these things in California. Yeah. And that is a nice thing. You know, going back to that whole directory structure argument that I brought up, mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, still use cases for denying things or allowing things at that specific one-off level. It's just once it becomes a thing that you're doing constantly, and the fact that we are starting to see these discussions cropping up faster and faster uh, is the part that's truly indicative of a problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other so problem is... Uh... Ah, yeah. no. We'll, we'll cover it later. We'll cover oh, okay. it later. Okay, so then, um, Mike, when we entered this segment, you made a face when I mentioned the ATF. Want to uh, run us down yeah. why that face? I, they need to be abolished. They don't do anything good. Absolutely nothing. And they'll shoot your dog. <laughs> and they'll shoot your dog. <laughs> One of my favorite lines is that uh, Department of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, that should, that should be a liquor store. not it, Yeah, it should be a store, not a department of the government. It should yeah. be a, there should be I mean there are stores though in some states that have alcohol, firearms, and tobacco in I know. Them, which is so American. I love it. But, you gotta uh, change, you gotta but change yeah. up the acronym so the US government doesn't get all pissy. Yeah. But it should be <laughs> abolished hundred percent. They don't do anything good. They're horrible people. And well, not only that, but so let's look at so they're they're the government agency tasked with interpreting these laws, the NFA and um, some of these others, and they seem to be really, really freaking bad at it because <laughs> yeah, they, they some, sometimes I feel like they don't even know what like anything about guns. Sometimes the, the ATF <laughs> cannot effectively define a firearm. No, they, 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 they really on can. their website they do not effectively define a firearm. Yeah. Um, and they've they last year they um well I can't remember what weapon it was, but they changed their ruling on one of the weapons that they had ruled was in fact was, a short barrel rifles, right? Yeah, with short barrel rifles. They, they ruled it was a pistol, and they turned around and said, "Oh nope, this is this is a short barrel nope. rifle now." Yep. Oh, I mean, memes are not you know, you know, always factual, but. I loved this one meme that I saw where it took one gun and it just added things to it and then took things away. And oh, it was yeah. like, now it's a short barrel rifle. Now it's a pistol. Now it's, you know, this, now it's this just yeah. because of their, the ATF's definitions and stuff. When and it's still the exact same firearm as someone just, yes. you added little things to it and stuff. It's the same firearm. <laughs> As someone who just recently got into, you know, wanting to purchase my own firearm, build it, you know, 
figure out all the laws finally because I've been looking at it since I was 18 going, well, if I want to custom make it in the state of Iowa because you can make the generic AR lowers into either pistols or rifles, you have to qualify for being able to purchase a pistol to purchase a lower. Um, really annoying, but ultimately just waited a few years. The, the craziest thing about the gun that's sitting right next to me is if I just take the stock off, it's a pistol. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put it back on, it's a rifle. That's so dumb. It is the it's the most ridiculous thing. Yeah, I I, like um. Have you guys seen the video of that old man? uh, It was probably after some mass shooting happened, but he was like, "Oh, you no one should have one of these." Uh, I'm gonna take uh, one more out of this world. He had an M4 or uh, AR-15 or something like that, Mm -hmm. and he took a a table saw and chopped it in half. And oh, I'm like yes. you just broke the law. That's a short barrel rifle now. Yeah, because yeah, depending on where you cut it, that, that is man. <laughs> depending on where you cut it, that is still a functional firearm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and then you see, you know, Jeremy, you and I were talking about uh, the the other day. The ATF just banned another type of trigger. Um, yes. Really. Yep. Um, oh oh shoot! Forced reset triggers. Now the trigger is classified as a machine gun. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Yep, that was the latest ATF ruling, and I found that out because I was thinking, oh, you know, that'd be a really cool upgrade. You know, instead of getting a, a binary trigger and having to wear out my finger a ton, having to think about it, I'll just get a force reset trigger. Surely that'll be on the market in six months when I go to build my rifle. And <laughs> it'll, I kid you not, two days after I got my rifle assembled with the buffer assembly actually functional uh two days later they decided to ban force reset triggers wow it just doesn't make any sense and then like the bump stocks the cia must have sold uh the atf all of their coke and crack (laughs) because these people are high (laughs) (laughs) well and there was bump stocks a couple years ago you know do you know how bump stocks function mike yeah you want to you want to Bump stocks are honestly they're kind of dumb. It's just like shooting full auto. It's dumb because you're not going to hit anything. Um, but basically, what a a bump stock forces you to use the recoil basically to pull uh, the trigger again immediately. Um, I mean, you can do it even with you can make your own bump stock like technique things uh, with. Well, we're not we're not going to tell people how to do that since I'm not going to yeah, okay, I can't say that stuff. No, but anyway, stuff. <laughs> anyway um you, you there are people that can even shoot faster than you can shoot with a bump stock oh, yeah. and they shoot far more accurately. Bump stocks are stupid. I don't, which is why I don't understand why they banned them. Well, and I I I know exactly why because one was used in the Las Vegas shooting and then everyone yeah. including Donald Trump, mind you, you yeah, know, which I disagreed with yeah, well, I mean, it, we talked about this in the video, how the 1994 assault weapons ban, you know, who supported that? Wasn't just yeah. wasn't just Bill Clinton, but also George George H.W. Bush and Ronald oh, Reagan. I don't like George H.W. Bush. <laughs> well, neither do I, but people people seem to idolize Reagan. <laughs> a lot but of Reagan supported why. it. Yeah. And I, that's that's what, you know, what's always surprised me. I mean... You see these, you know, these conservative idols, be it Trump or Reagan, and then when it comes to Second Amendment issues, they tend to not be so good. 
Yeah. Um, you know, George H.W. Bush was the director of the CIA when JFK mm-hmm. got shot. Just, mm-hmm. uh, just going to put that out there for some people. Yeah. No, not going to say about it. Just, just giving you information. I mean. You know, not implying anything. George H.W. Bush did a lot of stuff, both when he was yeah. director of the CIA and president. The, he's the one who invaded Panama, and right? He was vice president. Who was, he was vice president for Reagan. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this Not agency, their sole job is to, in, to interpret these laws and then enforce them, um, which tends to not end so well. We, I don't want to get too into this, but um, I'm just going to say Waco, Texas uh, and Ruby Ridge. So Yeah, Ruby Ridge. <laughs> yeah. That Ruby is, Ridge is like just so... If, there, if you ever meet anybody that's like... Oh, the FBI is fantastic. They're so great. Just send them two words. Just send them Ruby Ridge. Yeah. The, <laughs> let's just say the ATF has a history of murdering women and children. And that is not opinion. That no. is objective fact. Um, so if YouTube and Twitch want to ban me for that, they can bite me. Um we could do a whole we a whole episode on that one. It, the entire situation yeah. is honestly disgusting, and it really is. No one was punished for it. Um, in fact, the ATF every year on, on on the anniversary of the incident will put out a statement saying, you know, thanking the brave agents who um, conducted the raid on that day. Who shot an innocent woman? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. well, they did worse things than that that day. Mm. Um, but the, well, yeah, the point I, is that they, they, they still raid it. The other things that they did on the Twitch, so yeah, not on Twitch. We can say it on YouTube. Yeah, we can't say it on Twitch. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, YouTube, YouTube's a little bit more okay with that. I'm surprised. YouTube, YouTube won't let me say a certain name that starts with a C. Oh, I'm very well aware that somebody that works for the CIA. Um, but yeah, so the ATF is filled with these with these people who don't care about american citizens they don't care about your rights and this is i think where a lot of the, the, federal, animosity... the entire federal government does not care about you citizens they don't care <laughs> so, that is a very libertarian <laughs> thing of you to say it, it is but it's true only well, other uh problem with the atf is they are the one department in the government that has functionally no oversight built in the only oversight of that that we've seen to date is the second amendment preservation act in missouri mm-hmm. yeah well and i i will touch on saying that the second amendment preservation act is just the spear tip on the sanctu- second amendment sanctuary movement so there i uh what was it i think 17 states and more than half of u.s counties have enacted second amendment uh sanctuary laws saying you know, basically this um, just not to this same extent. Like, I think it's a $50,000 fine for cooperating, and then it goes up if other um, other criteria are met. Missouri has made, made it very public, uh, their, their opposition to the federal gun control movement. Um, and, you know, back to, the, back to the whole ATF thing, I think this is where the animosity comes from. They come across as incompetent. Their entire job is to manage things that are legal. I will say, technically, they also manage explosives, which 
you don't need them in my opinion you could have the fbi or department of homeland security manage that the you do not need an entire agency dedicated to taking care of explosives um and they have a they have a track record of at best completely ignoring your constitutional rights and at worst straight up taking your life um or shooting your dog shooting your dog's kind of the meme but it happens more often than it's it's happened more times than I, I care to repeat. So I, I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I suggest abolishing the ATF, but uh, that's probably not going to happen no. um, anytime soon unless, uh, what's his name from the Libertarian Party gets elected in 2024? Everybody vote for Rand Paul. Well, he's 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 a, he's running. He'll run the Republican ticket. Yeah, he'll about, run as Republican. It was the only way that any Libertarian would ever win. Yeah, who's so, that? Who's who's that? Like Dave Smith or something? The Mises Caucus. Who's that guy? Uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound familiar. The name. I can't think of his name. Like someone in the chat put it in there. I know yeah. that. You, I, I'm sure one of you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean I. There's, uh, I don't want to say this, but there's really no point of voting third party because it's never, they're never going to win. I mean, it's so, a, it's an unfortunate fact in our, because we have a winner take all system. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this so, our, our electoral system is built to maintain two parties. Yeah. It's literally why, you know, Rand Paul is a libertarian, but he always runs as a Republican. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up tonight. We talked. We talked a little bit more about all, pretty much everything that we touched on in the documentary video. Um, I do. I will say now that uh, we have a couple of other Second Amendment themed videos in the works. Some ideas. I'm not putting any timelines to those because we've got a lot of stuff in the works. So uh, I can't guarantee when those will come out. But do stay tuned for those um, next month. We will be cover. We will be releasing a documentary on the Third Amendment, uh, so that should be exciting. Joe Biden has recently given us some material for that. Otherwise, it would have been a very short episode. <laughs> um, and as for tonight, thank you guys for watching. If you're on the podcast, thank you for listening. Um, like, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And I hope that you guys have a fantastic night. Wait. Yeah. What's up? Okay. So I want to say something. Um, I have finally gotten more people at my work to be trained and stuff. So I'm not going to be working 50 to 60 hour work weeks anymore. So I will go back to playing Bioshock. Oh, good. Okay. Mike is going <laughs> to so, be playing Bioshock on the Twitch channel. Some yeah. of you might have noticed that uh, Travis has not been on recently. Travis yeah. has been house sitting. So that's Everybody's where he's been working too much. Yeah. So. Doug Dimidome has been wondering specifically where Travis is, and he's been he, he's been house sitting. So, oh. all right, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jeremy, for coming on, and everyone have a good night.